بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه وبعد I think our last hadith was hadith number 5 The last hadith we read was hadith number 5 من أحدث في أمرنا هذا ما ليس منه فهو رد وفي رواية لمسلم من عمل عملا ليس عليه أمرنا فهو رد We finished the explanation of that hadith Alhamdulillah So we move on to hadith number 6 I think it's the hadith of An-Nu'man bin Bashir. Naam, please uh, read. So this hadith is narrated by An-Nu'man ibn Bashir radiallahu anhu. An-Nu'man ibn Bashir is one of the younger sahaba of the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam. In fact, he is one of the very, very young sahaba of the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam because Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam died while An-Nu'man ibn Bashir was only about eight years old. When the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam died, An-Nu'man bin Bashir was how old? Only about eight years old. That would mean when he heard this hadith from the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he could possibly have been six years old. But he narrated this important hadith of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and we mentioned this hadith among the four hadith uh, around which our religion of Islam revolves. He says. سمعت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم I heard the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم saying إن الحلال بين حلال is clear وإن الحرام بين and حرام is clear حلال is clear and حرام is clear وبينهما and between these two حلال and حرام Mushtabihat. In another riwaya, umur mushtabihat. Some things which are not clear. La ya'lamuhunna kathirun minan nas. Many people do not know these things. So there is halal, there is haram. Halal about which there is no doubt. And haram about which there is no doubt. And I need to emphasize that there is no halal except the thing which Allah has made halal. And there is no haram 
unless the haram that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made. In our sharia, there is no person that has the right to declare something haram or halal unless Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself has declared it haram or halal. Allah has said in the Quran, وَلَا تَقُولُوا لِمَا تَصِفُ أَلْسِنَتُكُمُ الْكَذِبَ هَذَا حَلَالٌ وَهَذَا حَرَامٌ لِتَفْتَرُوا عَلَى اللَّهِ الْكَذِبُ إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يَفْتَرُونَ عَلَى اللَّهِ الْكَذِبَ لَا يُفْلِحُونَ Do not say about things from your own desires in order to tell lies about Allah. You say this is halal and this is haram. لِتَفْتَرُوا عَلَى اللَّهِ الْكَذِبُ In order to make up lies about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يَفْتَرُونَ عَلَى اللَّهِ الْكَذِبُ The people who make up lies about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala لَا يُفْلِحُونَ They will never prosper. To say something which is haram, you say it's halal. Or something that's halal, you say it's haram, is a big sin in Islam. We're not like other religions where the leaders of these religions have the right to declare haram and halal. In some religions, the leader has the right to make a decision. For example, the Pope has the right to make a decision what should be halal and what should be haram. And the people sometimes can appeal to the Pope to ask him to make the rules a bit easier for them so that some things that used to be haram must become halal. For example, the case of abortion in the Catholic Church it was a major issue where people started asking the new Pope to make the rules a bit easier so that abortion could become halal because the Pope has the power to declare halal and he has the power to declare haram according to them. But in Islam, haram is Allah's haram and halal is Allah's halal. So there are certain things which are clear. We don't need to argue about them. For example, I've never seen two people arguing that zina is halal. No one would argue about that. Everyone knows that zina is haram. So this is the haram which is bagin, which is clear. Or did you ever find two people arguing that stealing is haram? Everyone knows stealing is haram. Even the man who makes zina knows zina is haram. Even the one who steals knows that stealing is haram. There's no doubt about that. So this haram is bayin. And halal is also bayin. I don't think you will ever find two people arguing about uh, rice being halal or haram. Anyone ever argue about that? Everyone knows that rice is halal. These are halal which are bayin clear and haram which is bayin clear but then there are some things which are not that clear. They're like in the middle. It's difficult to tell whether this is halal or haram. These are the ones that the Messenger refers to as mushtabihat, umur mushtabihat. Issues that are not clear. لا يعلمهن كثير من الناس. Many people do not know them. The Messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم didn't say لا يعلمهن الناس. He didn't say people don't know them. He said many people don't know them. Which means some people know them. 
The things that we argue about, some people know them. The scholars know them. If you ask them, is it halal or haram, they know the dalil. They will tell you this is halal, this is haram. From ijtihad, from reading the Quran and interpreting it and understanding the sunnah of the Messenger, the scholars know. But the general people do not know. There are certain masail which are clear to the scholars but still remain a problem to the general people. For example, you find people arguing about, about music. There are some that will say, no, there is nothing wrong with it. So long as the words are good and some people say it's haram and halal and so on. But the scholars know it to be haram. The scholars who understand from Qawluhu Ta'ala wa minan nasi man yashtari lahu al-hadith liyudilla an sabilillahi bighayra ilm wa yattakhidaha huzua. There are some people who are going to buy lahu al-hadith. Playful words. Words that have no benefit. In order to drive people away from the, the path of Allah. But when you try to give that dalil to a general person, maybe he finds it difficult to understand the dalil. So these are some of the things, mushtabihat, which are not clear. The majority of the people do not know them. So in other words, we're going to categorize things into three groups. The clear halal. The clear haram and the things in between which are not clear. So the Messenger وسلم, says, The one who stays away from these mushtabihat, the one who decides because these things are not clear, I decide to stay away from them. He is acquitted. Acquitted means he is free. Lidinihi in terms of his deen. Wa'irdihi and in terms of his honor. His respect. Himself and his family. How is he acquitted in terms of his deen? It means he will not have any trouble with Allah. If he stays away from the mushtabihat, the things that are not clear, he will not have a problem at all. Concerning his religion with, with Allah. If he stays away from that, he is safe. And what about Irdihi? He will not have problems with the people. If you stay away from things which are not clear, no one is going to talk about it. No one is going to talk about your honor. The people will respect you. So you kill two birds with one stone. Your integrity, your honor in this world, your respect remains intact. And with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, your deen is intact. Is your integrity important? Your respect in the world, is it important? It is very important. So if you want your integrity intact, stay away from the mushtabihat. And your integrity will remain in. And if you stay away from the mushtabihat, your deen is going to remain in. Istabra ali deenihi wa Waman shubuhat. But he that falls into, into the shubuhat, waqa'atil haram, 
he has fallen into haram. If you go into the mushtabihat, the things which are not clear, you will fall into haram. This sentence means either of two things. You fall into haram because you do not know it's haram. Or you fall into haram because eventually you will go into haram. The moment a person starts coming close to the mushtabihat, he is opening the door to haram. The Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam gave an example of as-sirat al-mustaqeed. He said, it's like a path. This path has walls on both sides. There's a wall on the right and a wall on the, on the left. And these walls have doors. And there is a gate in front of him where he's going. And on top of that gate, there is a man calling, saying, come over here. And at the beginning of the path, there is a man calling out to him, saying, do not open the doors. Because if you open any of the doors, you will enter them. The man standing on top of the gate is the book of Allah. Calling you to Jannah. The man standing at the beginning of the path is Wa'idullah fi nafsik. Allah's advisor that is found in you, found in every person. And we hear him every time. There's a man who screams power every time. Each time we want to do something wrong, he says, No, 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 don't do it. Allah's Wa'id in our hearts. And the doors are the haram. If you open, you don't want to enter the haram. You just open the door to see what's in there, you will enter it. That's why the wa'id is saying, don't open that door. The moment you open it, you're going to enter it. Haram, don't open the door in the first place. The moment you open the door, you will find yourself inside. Don't say, I simply want to see. You will find yourself inside. What do you think of a man who says, I, I don't want to make zina. I just want to have a girlfriend just to know how, how it feels. You think this man is safe? He has opened the door. He has opened the door and he is going to enter. What do you think of a man who says, I don't drink beer, I'm just found with my friends. When my friends are drinking beer for me, I'm just drinking Fanta and Coca-Cola at the club. You think this man is playing safe? He's not playing safe at all. He has opened the door. And he's going to enter it. So for haram, don't open the door in the first place. To start talking to women who are not related to you, either on Facebook or WhatsApp or whatever social media, is opening the door. 
you are opening the door. And you'll be surprised when you find yourself inside. The wa'id of Allah in your heart is telling you, don't open that door. The moment you open it, you're going to enter. So, فَمَنْ وَقَعَةِ الشُّبُهَاتِ وَقَعَةِ الْحَرَامِ Listen to the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah says, ذَلِكَ بِأَنَّهُمْ كَانُوا يَكْفُرُونَ بِآيَاتِ اللَّهِ وَيَقْتُلُونَ النَّبِيِّينَ بِغَيْرِ الْحَقِّ ذَلِكَ بِمَا عَصَوْا وَكَانُوا يَعْتَدُونَ ذَلِكَ بِأَنَّهُمْ كَانُوا يَكْفُرُونَ بِآيَاتِ اللَّهِ They used to make kufr of the ayat of Allah. They used to deny Allah's ayat. وَيَقْتُلُونَ النَّبِيِّينَ And they used to kill the prophets بِغَيْرِ حَقِّ Without a right. Why did they do that? ذَلِكَ بِمَا عَصَوْا Because in the first place, they disobeyed Allah. And when they disobeyed Allah, تَدْرِيجًا Eventually, they reached the stage where they make kufr and kill the prophets of Allah. Kufr or disbelief starts with ma'asiyah. Disobedience, then eventually as a person goes deeper into disobedience, the person becomes a kafir. Ma'asiyah starts with something small. You will not be saying the truth if you tell me the armed robbers that we have today who murder people just woke up one day and picked up a machine gun and went into a house and shot people and, uh, and stole. That's, that's not the way they started. They didn't start like that. They started small. Then Tadrijan, they started going into bigger things. Maybe they started by stealing two kwacha from the father's house. Then two kwacha from the father's house became hundred kwacha from the father's house. From the father's house to another house. From another house to people's pockets. From people's pockets to by force. And then to guns and so on. It's that reach. So this ma'asiyah, when a person falls into shubuhat, eventually the person will fall into haram. فَمَنْ وَقَعَ فِي الشُّبُهَاتِ وَقَعَ فِي الْحَرَامِ He will fall into haram. Karra'i, he's like a shepherd. Yar'a, hawla al-hima, he is feeding near or around a sanctuary. Yushiku an yarta'afi, he's almost feeding in the sanctuary. You know, kings have sanctuaries. A king is going to have a place that's specifically his, right? No one is expected to. To enter the place, it belongs specifically to the king. If you're seen there, you're in, in big trouble. If the king has a sanctuary where he feeds, for example, his sheep, and then they say these are the boundaries of the sanctuary of the king, and you come with your sheep and start feeding at the border, at the, at the boundary, you're heading for trouble. Because one or two of your sheep get into the king's sanctuary and you will find yourself in big, big trouble. If you want to avoid trouble, go and feed far away from the sanctuary. I want to give you an example. Today we have the president of this country and he has a steakhouse. 
right? State House, his own sanctuary. And then people find you outside the walls of, of State House, just near the walls, moving around State House. So, no, I didn't enter State House. What, what do you think would happen? You go to State House, you start moving near the walls, say, no, I'm outside. I'm just moving around State House, I didn't enter the State House. What, what would happen? They would arrest you. But you didn't enter State House. But you're coming near the sanctuary. Every king has a sanctuary. And Allah's sanctuary is the haram. When you start coming near to it, things that are not clear, say, no, where's the boundary? The boundary is here. You see, I didn't enter. You're in trouble. You're headed for trouble. Every king has a sanctuary. Allah's sanctuary is the haram. Anything that looks even remotely similar to haram, stay away from it. You may argue, you say, people arguing about it, cigarettes and so on, but these are mushtabihat. The ulama know. The people of knowledge have the dalil. But the problem is when you explain the dalil to kathirun minan nas, la ya'lamuhunna. They, they will never understand, they will never know. For me, if you ask me uh, about cigarettes, obviously I'll tell you cigarettes are haram. If you ask me about music, I'll tell you it's haram and I'll give you dalil. But the majority of the people don't want to listen to that dalil. They just want a place in the Quran that says cigarettes are haram. And they want a place in the Quran where it says music is haram. So that's, that's the way it should be. Haram, unless mentioned by name, does not become haram. By the same token, we would ask them, by if you, you, you eat bananas, yes I do. Where is it written in the Quran, bananas are halal? Is there a place in the Quran where it says bananas are halal? Or a place in the Quran where it says oranges are halal. How did we know bananas are halal? And how did we know uh, uh, oranges are halal? By listening to the scholars. Not so. Only when it suits us. When it doesn't suit us, we pursue dalil. Where does it say cigarettes? When I explain about oranges, you don't ask me where does it say oranges. No. For that, no. Uh, when we say, uh, for example, music, you want to see the word music. So, And this is important. In the body, there's a piece of flesh, a small piece of meat. This piece of meat, when it's not corrupt, when it's good, the whole body is good. If it goes bad, if it becomes corrupt, if it becomes rotten, the whole body is rotten. Is it not the heart? This piece of meat, which is found in the body, 
is the king of your body. Everything else about you, we call them soldiers. Your soldiers, rather, this king gives the commands and the soldiers follow. Your hands are just soldiers. Your legs are soldiers. Your eyes are soldiers. Your ears, everything about your body, that's the army. The king gives the commands. If the king is good, the soldiers will be good. Because the commands coming from there will be good commands. But the moment you have a corrupt king in there, it's the end of everything. For a person to pray, the heart has to command them to pray. And for a person not to wake up for salah, the heart has to say, don't wake up. That's the commander. He's the king. For a person to make zina, the heart has to say, go and make zina. And the soldiers will stand up and, and go. Where did the actual command come from? The messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said in a hadith, At-taqwa ha-huna. Taqwa is here. And he was pointing to his chest, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. At-taqwa ha-huna. Taqwa is found here. Many people misunderstood this hadith. When you tell them, don't do this, uh, this is haram, Allah said, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, no, 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 no. At-taqwa ha-huna. Taqwa is found in the chest. That's not what the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam meant. What the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam meant is, if a person is going to be a taqi, the command has to come from the heart. If a person is going to be a fajir, a criminal, the command has to come from the heart. Because a taqwa is found in the heart. If a person is doing things which Allah has forbidden, you know the heart is rotten. If a person is obeying Allah, it means the heart is good. So the sole battle, the only battle that you have, is the battle of the heart. If your heart becomes corrupt, you are finished. And if your heart becomes good, Alhamdulillah. And you know what to do? To corrupt the heart. قَدْ أَفْلَحَ مَنْ زَكَّاهَا وَقَدْ خَابَ مَنْ دَسَّاهَا It's the simple equation. قَدْ أَفْلَحَ He is successful. مَنْ زَكَّاهَا The one who purifies it. وَقَدْ خَابَ And he is a loser. مَنْ دَسَّاهَا The one who corrupts it. When you purify your heart, أَفْلَحَ you are successful. When you corrupt it, that is the end of you. Because everything else is going to follow the heart. Almost everything we do nowadays is a corruption of the heart to give a disease to the heart. And that's why we have no iman. How do you expect a heart to be pure? Day in, day out, looking at semi-dressed women. Semi-naked women. Day in, day out, everywhere, on television, on social media, everywhere, 
you expect such a heart to be a clean heart, a strong heart? How do you expect a heart to be not corrupt if all the heart listens to is disobedience through music and movies and other such things? You expect a strong heart? So once shaitan corrupts your heart and the a'da, the enemies of Islam know this fact very well. The majority of us don't know. The enemies of Islam know it very well. They know to fight Islam, they don't need weapons. To fight Islam, they need to fight the hearts of the Muslim people. Corrupt their hearts. When you corrupt their hearts, their iman becomes weak. They leave salah. They stop obeying Allah. Then, that's why all the evil things, the evil things are either free or very, very cheap. The evil things, either free or very, very cheap. You know, in those, in those days, maybe even up to now, um, like to mount a satellite dish, in a country like like this one, it used to be quite quite expensive. You needed to pay a lot of money in order to have access to a satellite dish and channels and so on. It was expensive here. But when you go to countries like uh, Saudi Arabia, or countries like Yemen, let me just say Islamic countries in general, it was almost free. Almost free. Very cheap. For the equivalent of maybe 50 kwacha, you get hundreds of, of channels. So you start wondering, what's, what's the strategy? It's expensive in, in America and so cheap in Saudi Arabia and the providers are the same. Saudis should have more access to these satellite channels. The Yemenis and the others in the Islamic countries should have more access to these, to these channels. Once they have access to these channels, once they look at naked women, once they look at Marcia, their hearts become corrupt. And once their hearts become corrupt, there's no strong Islam anymore. It's finished. It's a battle of their hearts. And they are winning this battle. They are winning this battle. Our children are all over social media. Satellite channels, they're everywhere. Today, if you don't do that, you're considered very, very backward. Nowadays, children have phones at ages like 9, 10, 11 years when they, they don't even know how to use a phone. They have the phones. And what about access to bad things? Definitely. What do you expect? You give a child a phone at the age of, of 10. And a friend of his shows him how to access corruption on the, on the phone. Corrupt things, bad things. You think you will have God-fearing children? So, Allah, 
ألا وهي القلب. This facade can only be avoided through avoiding the mushtabihan. The halal is clear, the haram is clear, but please stay away from the mushtabihan. How useful this hadith is. How strong this hadith is. In fact, you would think it's the basis of din, this hadith. But remember what I said at the beginning, who narrated the hadith? An Nu'man bin Bashir. How old was he when the Messenger died? How old could he have been when he heard the Messenger say this? 36, maybe 5. Our children, at the age of 5, at the age of 6, what do you expect from them? Dancing. Thank you, Sheikh Sulaiman. Dancing. Dancing very, very well. The whole of Islam today, alhamdulillah, is benefiting from a great hadith of the Messenger وسلم, because of a six year old. An Nu'man bin Bashir. And from this, we make the conclusion that when a young person sits in the majlis of ilm, he could get from that majlis something that he is going to remember all his life and people may benefit from that in the future. Yet he heard it years ago. And I'm sure you also have certain things that you heard in a majlis of ilm when you were very, very young and you haven't forgotten them. You still remember them. And people can still benefit from them. There's a sheikh who says, as a young man, I used to go to Masjid al-Nabawi to attend the Muhadarat of a certain sheikh in the, in the Haram. And I was only about or maybe eight, nine years old. I used to go for Muhadarat. So the sheikh one day spoke about the hadith of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He said, the Messenger sallallahu said, Allah has cursed any person who curses his parents. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has cursed any person who changes the manar of the land. And he went on to mention two other things. He said, I understood the other things, but I didn't understand what he meant by changing the manar of, of the land. Manar al ard what, what did he mean? So I went to the sheikh and asked him, Sheikh, what do you mean by Allah has cursed the person who changes the manar of the land? Do, do we understand the hadith? Do, do we understand what is meant by changing the manar of the, of the land? Who, who understands? For example, we, we have a piece of land. This is your side, this is my, my side. Your plot is 20 by 20. Mine is also 20 by 20 and we put a beacon. Then I come in the night and I move the beacon. I move the beacon, yours becomes 17 by 20. And mine becomes 23 by 20. Does, does that happen? It does happen. It does happen. So he says, ever since I asked the sheikh about that, that was when I was eight, I never forgot his explanation. And it's remained with me up to this, this time. So what I'm trying to say is, don't think someone is too young to attend a majlis of ilm. No one is too young. 
they will pick up one or two things in the in the majlis. And la'alla Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to permit them to transmit that knowledge to people so that they may benefit from it in the future. Nadarallahum ra'an sami'a minna hadithan fahafidahu hatta yuballigahu ghayrahu. Aqulu ma tasma'oon wa astawfiru Allah al-azim li wa lakum wa lisa'iri muslimin fastawfiruh fahuwa ahlu al-taqwa wa ahlu al-maqfira. There are any any questions? We'll take them, inshallah. We start with questions connected to the to the hadith. If there are no questions connected to the hadith, 